Across the UK, online and on DAB. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. More blasted rhetoric from the Banana Republic for people who think capital punishment isn't going nearly far enough. <laughs> Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham in yet another historic week for Britain. In the early hours of this morning, Theresa May agreed to a Halloween Brexit with the ghouls of the European Union. The Draculean figure of Donald Tusk struggled to stifle his yawns as he addressed the mass ranks of the media at 2.15am uh, and he was very clear on exactly what he wanted us to do. Stop wasting time uh, was the main uh, question uh, which he gave an answer to and it's now going to be at least another six months before anything actually happens or of course nothing actually happens. As I predicted nearly three years ago, it feels like we are never going to actually leave the European Union. And it certainly seems that as long as Theresa May is Prime Minister, there is no prospect of it ever happening. So here's an idea for you, Mrs May. Step aside, call a general election and give the people a chance to choose who they wish to represent them in Parliament. And with a bit of luck, we will end up with a proper leader of a proper Brexit-dominated House of Commons and we can finally get on with doing a proper deal and properly getting out of the European Union. 0344 499 1000 I'm starting to see cracks appearing in many Remainers' arguments on Twitter, uh, in social media in general, uh, and people are just getting to the point where they want something to happen. But as long as Theresa May is in charge, nothing is actually going to happen. 0344 499 1000. We'll talk to John Rental from The Independent uh, and get his view on what happened overnight. Coming up, we'll also find out just why it's now become all but impossible to hold right-wing views and still be in the government, why so many couples are now having sleep divorces and living in separate beds and why the middle classes are apparently disappearing. 0344 499 1000. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. So last night, right, if you were really, really keen, you could have stayed up uh, all hours and basically watched the uh, unfolding of yet another chapter uh, in the Brexit no deal, some deal, what deal, referendum scenario, where nothing has actually happened, uh, where Theresa May has gone to Brussels and come back with nothing, apart from an extension until Halloween, i.e. October the 31st. Now, Halloween is not a very big deal in Europe, so I don't think they realise quite how uh, important that particular day is and how humorous it is that they've chosen that day for us to leave the European Union. Now, it's also clear that we could leave before that, but not as long as Theresa May is in charge. I don't think she's capable of getting any sort of deal done between now uh, and October the 31st, 2025, to be honest. So surely now the point is to have an election have a proper uh, uh, rallying cry, not just for uh, all the other stories that people want to talk about, but about Brexit itself and find out precisely what the people want, precisely what they want to vote for, precisely which candidates they want to kick out of the Houses of Parliament and precisely which way this country is going to go once and for all. 0344 499 1000 is the number. We've got loads of time to take all your calls. Ross Kempster will be here. We're told there will be some kind of statement in the House of Commons around about 11.30, quarter to 12 by Theresa May. We will bring that to you, of course, as well. But coming up, we will have the very, very important conversation about whether you can call a train station a train station. I got into a ridiculous argument on Twitter yesterday. Some pedant said to me, you can't call it a train station. That's American. You have to call it a railway station. And everybody got involved and it went on for hours and hours and hours and hours. Almost as bad as Brexit. Maybe that's what we've become. Let's talk to John Rental, chief political commentator at The Independent, uh, to see what he makes of it all. John, a very good morning to you. Good morning, Mike. I mean, I could start off with asking you, is it train station or railway station? Because you're a man that knows a lot about words and, and, and has indeed published many books about it. What, what would you say? 
Most of the time, it's just station. Station, okay, <laughs> very good. Well, we'll move on swiftly from that. <laughs> um, I'm, 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 I'm so, I'm shocked actually because I've had such a, st- a straight and direct answer. Because in this day and age, I'm so unused to getting that. I don't quite know what to do with it because every time I ask anybody a question, there isn't really an answer to it, particularly when it comes to Brexit. <laughs> no, well, I mean, obviously, it's not. It's, it, I mean, if it's ambiguous, you have to say railway station. Yes. I mean, if you're if you're being old fashioned. But train station's fine. I mean, train station's completely, fine. Exactly. completely straightforward and unambiguous. Yes. Speaking um, speaking of being straightforward, American. American. Yes, you can be unambiguous and straightforward about that, but you can't really be about what happened last night in Brussels. Um, nothing really happened that was meant to happen because Donald Tusk initially was supposedly gearing up to give us until March the thirty first, and he kind of pulled Halloween out of his out of his uh, out of his hat uh, to surprise everyone. Well, I, I mean, there, there was a reason for that, which is that there's a. Uh, a you know, there's a new commission coming in in November, right. uh, which is which is what I mean. Every five years, you know, they elect a new European Parliament. Then there's then there's a new commission, uh, and and you know they you know they think that if we're going to be out, you know, at some point they they want us out before that yes. starts. But you're absolutely right that um, the real significance of it is that we're never going to leave because. Mm. Um, you know, we we won't be able to agree a, a deal. I mean, the House of Commons won't won't be able to pass a deal uh, by then, uh, because for all the reasons that you know have been laid bare, um, and you know, changing the Conservative Party leader and Prime Minister isn't going to make any difference to the numbers in the House of Commons. Um, and so we'll get to October, and uh, they'll give us another extension. Of course they will, because yes. they don't want to. Uh, they don't want to be blamed for a No Deal Brexit, because that would hurt the. Irish and they uh, and you know they're all big on solidarity with with all member states uh, and also you know the, the European ideal requires them to give us a chance to change our mind which eventually we will probably do. Well, eventually they'd like that to happen certainly, but there would be no nobody in their right mind would listen to what's being said this morning and have any sort of trust or belief or faith <laughs> in the fact that that will be it on October the thirty first. I mean, why would it be? No, exactly. I mean, because all all the same arguments will apply. And, you know, Emmanuel Macron will probably huff and puff and bluster about, uh, about about this and that. But, I mean, last night showed that, you know, in the end, he'll compromise. Yeah. And, uh, he'll, go al- he'll go along with the consensus. And the consensus will be give the, give, give the awkward British uh, time to sort themselves out. And if they can't sort themselves yeah. out, then, then they can just carry on being members of the EU, which is, which is fine by them. Yes, exactly. And so technically, was that the 11th hour then last night? I mean, because I, I, I'm struggling even to know when that is. Well, I think I think we've we've you know it's, uh, who was it? it was it um, uh, it was that chap who wrote uh, the the uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh yes, Adam. He loves us. Yes, he loves the sound of deadlines whooshing by. <laughs> uh, I mean, we we uh, we we British do quite like crashing through deadlines, and mm. we've just you know with the 29th of 29th of March, and now uh, today is the the 12th of April. That was supposed to be the next the next deadline. Straight straight through it, whoosh. Uh, and uh, you know, then on on to the next one. That'll that'll go straight past us as well. And uh, as you say, we will we will probably never leave. So, what do you make of my suggestion that she now holds an election, steps aside because on on, on the basis that she cannot any longer do anything, she can't get an agreement, and then we get a yeah. proper general election on the go. And I know that you'll say to me, yeah, but it might not really change anything. We might not get <laughs> anything other than another hung parliament. Whoever gets to be uh, in charge of it. But at least yeah. it will be a change, and at least it will be an opportunity, <laughs> an opportunity for some people to get the op- to get the chance to vote out the MPs that they feel have let them down. Yeah. So, so why why do you think MPs are going to vote 
to for, for this <laughs> this extraordinary event to well, happen. Well, there's a small part of me that still holds on to this grim kind of ideal of democracy that they actually feel like they're very happy to talk about giving the decision on the referendum back to the country. Why can't they give yeah. an election back to the country? Well, because they don't want to lose their seats. Well, right. So you know we're stuck we're stuck with this lot until 2022. I, I, I suspect. Yeah, save us. Um, uh, I mean, I do think that the Conservative Party won't probably won't tolerate uh, Theresa May as leader for much longer. Mm. Um, I mean, you know, I mean, she she survived a confidence vote by two thirds to one third last time yes. I mean, in December. Since then, they you know a lot of her supporters are pretty fed up. But I mean, are Tory MPs really going to um, go for a leadership election which will be won by? You know, Dominic Raab or Boris Johnson. I mean, I just think you know they might they might pull back. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, the so trouble, think... the thing is, she's also been a lot. I mean, since she won that vote of confidence, and everybody thought, well, maybe she's stronger than we think. She's actually got an awful lot worse. I mean, she has made yes. one blunder <laughs> after another. You know, it's almost on a daily basis. Well, yeah. No, she hasn't been very good. But her fundamental problem is 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 the numbers in the House of Commons and the fact that. Uh, nobody can agree Brexit, mm. and that's not and that's not going to change. I mean, you know, you could you could have you could, you could have Tony Blair and Margaret Thatcher combined as as prime minister, and they wouldn't be able to to, to cut that uh, that that riddle um, because because the House of Commons is is so deeply divided. Well, she's already said, has she not, in that rather odd uh, video that she put out last weekend, that she doesn't think that she has a chance of getting this deal through. The fourth for the fourth attempt. So, so presumably she's not even going to bother trying, is she? Well, no. What she wants to do is, is get get a Labour Brexit through. Yeah. Uh, at, the, at the fourth attempt, right. so she wants Jer- she wants Jeremy Corbyn to come <laughs> and, and rescue her. Um, well, I don't but, think he's uh, actually spoken since this deal was done. <laughs> I don't know what he's well, doing. Well, those negotiations are are, are going on, and, and they're supposed to resume today. Yeah. Um, but. You know, they're there for decorate, decorative purposes only. I mean, you know, Jeremy Corbyn wants wants to talk to the prime minister. He wants to be seen to be engaging in statesmanlike dialogue, but he doesn't actually want to agree anything because he doesn't want to uh, he doesn't want to support any form of Brexit at all. Um, you know, although he personally would quite like to leave the EU, mm. um, I suspect. Uh, he doesn't want to be uh, seen as facilitating it in any way because his his uh, his own. Uh, members and Labour voters will uh, will get very upset. Yeah, I mean, it really is an extraordinary place to be, is it not? I mean, there's all sorts of jokes now being made about Halloween and October the 31st. Oh, sorry. Uh, there seems to be uh, there's a new Brexit alarm for October the 31st has been set in motion. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> Every time you say October the 31st, it goes off, apparently. <laughs> anyway, oh, so, no. yeah, I mean, we've got a long six months of this, I'm afraid, to go. I'm going to try and avoid saying October the 31st now, oh, for God's sake, um, because it's just going to annoy people after a while. But anyway... Um, I mean, what are the other options then, John? Because, I mean, how many times have you and I spoken about this? Probably thousands. Um, well, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know what else we can do. Well, no, I mean, but I think that's, that, that, that's it, isn't it? I mean, I think, uh, I think we've got six months of, uh, of, of relatively free, uh, free time, yeah. you know, Brexit-free. Uh, we can actually talk about some other stuff and, right. uh, and talk about things that actually matter. Yeah, like whether um, it's the train station or not. And the death of the middle yeah. class is quite interesting as well. It's bad news for the Daily Mail, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's bad news for David Cameron as well because he promised Theresa May that he wouldn't publish his memoir until after Brexit. No, yeah. No, oh, well, that, well that's, so there's one piece of good news then. I mean, that's uh, so we don't have to read that rubbish, but that's great. But I mean, seriously, I, 
I, I'm, I'm, I'm literally at a loss. I mean, I don't. I presume when she speaks today in the Houses of Parliament, she's going to give everybody next week off because there's not much point in in any MPs showing up now to do anything, is there? No, I mean, I think I think her strategy will be to have one last go at this. But I mean, I think she wants to give MPs uh, time to to think about it and calm down. I mean, there, there you know, there's the, the poor the poor fragile flowers that are all talking about you know mental yes. mental illness Torment, and, and yeah. the stress the stress they're under. They should try and, to. I mean, uh, you know, for the first time, they've actually had to do a real job that involves working more than a couple of hours a day. You know. Well, no, I mean, I don't think talking about Brexit all day is a real job. But I mean, I mean, except it's, it is. <laughs> well, we've managed of, to do it. What, what you and I managed to do. Yeah. I mean, uh, and 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 they and, and they do it too. But I mean, they they actually do have to vote as well and yeah. make decisions. But. Uh, yeah, but all the votes that they've had have been completely meaningless. I mean, we were told all of these indicative votes were going to lock the government into one uh, deal or another. We were told that the House of Lords vote the other day, uh, which was going to stop a no-deal Brexit, was important. Turns out that wasn't as yeah. important as we thought. We were also told that she goes to Brussels and only gets an extension if she's got a deal, which she hasn't got, but she's still got <laughs> the extension. Yeah. No, I mean, I think, uh, uh, yeah, absolutely right. But um, that's... You know that's her plan is to, is to give give MPs a week off. They can calm down. They can come back, uh, you know, refreshed and having thought about it. And she hopes that they will finally, you know, enough Labour MPs will finally decide that they they really don't like the idea of having European Parliament elections. Yeah. Uh, and so they better um, they they better vote for the Prime Minister's deal. Uh, but they're not going to. No. Um, also, the Europe, I mean, everybody's now quite looking forward to the... I mean, I, this is the first time I think ever I've been looking forward to the European Parliament elections because normally well, speaking, they're deadly boring and nobody knows who any of the people are. Now, suddenly, it's exactly. quite interesting. <laughs> well, they will be quite interesting because um, because the independent group, um, which, are, which are now known as Chuck, the Change UK... Right. Um, they they'll they'll do extremely well because it's a proportional system. And Nigel Farage's new Brexit party, that will probably do quite well. Yeah. Um, and the Tories will do very badly because you know everyone will blame them for the mess because they're in the government. Yeah, I mean, I was Even talking to though... somebody uh, yesterday who's been out doing a bit of canvassing for the local elections here, uh, who was saying that you know basically people are saying on the doorstep we want to teach them all a lesson, so the main yeah. party is going to suffer. Yes, I think that I think that's right. Well, although I think Labour will probably do okay because mm. uh, they've managed to escape the blame, even though it's just as much their fault as it is mm. uh, as, as the Tories. I mean, I mean, I don't awesome. think it's Theresa May's fault at all that she can't she, she she wasn't able to get a Brexit deal. I mean, it's the fault it's the fault of the Brexiteers against Brexit um, to her right, mm. and the, and the Labour Party who refused to vote for the Brexit deal that they want, which sure. is what she's got. Um, but it is her fault her that she doesn't have a big enough majority because that didn't have to be the case, did it? Well, yeah, but it wouldn't have made any difference, would it, Mike? Because if she'd had more, if she'd had more Tory MPs, then there would have been more, um, there would have been more Brexiteers against Brexit. There would have been more of the Steve Bakers and the uh, yeah, Owen Mattersons and, and and all that lot. But well, it, I mean, it certainly would have been because I mean, you know, new new Tory MPs would have been much more Eurosceptic than uh, than the ones they they replaced. So you know the, the election would not the election was not her problem. I mean her problem is is the divided uh, the two divided parties and the fact that neither neither party will vote for a Brexit that's proposed by the other one. No, it's crazy, isn't it? Well, here we are. Uh, we'll be here for a while. Uh, of course, John will be speaking many more times before uh, the deadline of October the thirty first uh, because that is when apparently we're not going to leave the European Union. So now six months away before we don't leave. It's fantastic, isn't it? We'll take your calls next. This is Talk Radio. The Human Zoo, where they don't hide away the sick animals. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. Boys and girls of every-
This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. You know what to do. Loads of you do want to get on on the Brexit front because, of course, uh, it is the big subject of not only the day, the week, the year, the decade. It's the only thing that anybody's really talking about. However, uh, we are going to take your calls and get them all on. 0344 499 1000. Lots of you want to talk about train stations as well. Andrew says it's train station. You wouldn't call a bus station a roadway station, would you? Uh, And here's one from uh, Caroline who says it's railway station. Train station is what a child might say. But James disagrees. Thomas the Tank Engine calls at a train station so that's it settled then uh, and how about this one on the subject uh, of halloween the 31st of october is a silly date as the 31st of october may not be relevant to the eu but the 31st of october is literally horrifying to us the 31st of october really is the 31st of october and it couldn't be better the 31st of october i don't believe it that's from lionheart i see what you did there made an awful lot of noise and fury and sound, uh, which is pretty much what Brexit is really like. Let's talk to Craig, uh, who's in Oxford. Hello, Craig. Morning, Mike. Morning, how are you doing? Oh, uh, yeah, not too bad. Whatever not you do, don't person. say the 31st of October. I, I promise not. OK. Um, we do, however, seem to have got ourselves into a bit of a pickle, don't we? We certainly do. Well, we've been in a pickle for some time, and the trouble is, the, the, I think the lid on the jar is beginning to tighten. It is. I'm actually beginning to fear that the only things left after the nuclear winter will be cockroaches in Theresa May's premiership. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, and the withdrawal agreement that she keeps passing backwards and forwards to people. Potentially. I'm, I'm wondering if we can't implement a bit of revolutionary thinking. Yes. And maybe take a step out of the union's playbook. Mm. Um, because we'll go on strike. Take, well, it only takes 15, 20 MPs to turn around and say, do you know what? We're going back to our constituencies. We're going to carry on with our day job. Yeah. Take care of take care of our, our constituencies, but we're no longer going to support you in Westminster. Mm. And all of a sudden, she's she's got no ability to win any vote whatsoever. Yeah, literally, fifteen MPs is all it would take, and then she'd be forced to leave. Surely, if if she no longer had the support in Westminster. Well, I think something's more than likely to happen over the Easter break because now that the MPs have got nothing better to do, one one thing you know they will do is plot to get rid of her. Well, they need to, but there's there's currently no. Le- as far as I'm aware, there's no obvious way for them to do so other than wait until December, um, by which time she could do untold amounts of damage. So it's going to need something new um, and, and a new way of thinking mm. to do it, I think. Yes, no, and, I think you're right. Downing tools is... Uh, is, is a British tradition. Well, it is a British tradition. That might well be one way of solving the problem. I think a general election might also do something similar because it would at least dislodge a few MPs. Some people would say, well, not maybe enough of them, and it will still lead to a hung parliament. But at least it will shake things up a bit. It, it will. Unfortunately, what you can see as well in, in these upcoming local elections is you're going to see a lot of Brexit-supporting Tory MPs and Labour MPs facing the axe because of the actions of uh, the people in Westminster. Yes. You know, there's, there's an awful lot of people that are going to suffer because of this. And I don't know whether or not they can disavow the, the party so close to the elections or put out a leaf that say, you know, let me, but as soon as I'm elected, I'm going to you know, leave the party or, or whatever yeah. to try and save themselves. But if you had a, a general election as a Brexit voter, who can you vote for? Yes. You can't vote Labour, you can't vote Tory. No. You know, is there enough time for the Brexit party to get candidates in? Well, I think there would be. I mean, we've now got six months, right, until October the 31st. And the bottom line for me uh, is that there is now time to... You can hold a snap election. She's done it before. Uh, She could call an election tomorrow and we could have it before the end of June. No problem at all. 
Well, I, th- I think unless uh, unless she has a, a knife to her throat or a gun to her head, I don't think you can get her to willingly call anything. That's that's seemingly, I'm afraid, the status quo situation. But listen, Craig, thank you very much indeed. We'll take loads more of your calls very shortly, 0344 499 But first, uh, we need to talk to Jason Haddon, MBE, who is, of course, an esteemed barrister uh, and a lawyer uh, extraordinaire because we've got some questions to put to him, uh, not only about the uh, business of sleeping in separate beds, but also with a big rise in prenuptial agreements between couples about pets. Jason, a very good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you very much indeed for joining me. Now, um, I can imagine why people get very upset when they break up and the dog or the cat that they have together has to go to one or other of their homes. But I've never heard of an actual prenup for a dog or a cat in my life. I think you've got it wrong, Mike. It's called a pet nup. A pet nup. Sorry, my, my apologies. Thank I'm getting much. everything wrong this morning. I'm calling train <laughs> stations, train stations. I mean, you know, what can I tell you? It's been the case for a number of years that when people split up from a relationship, be they married or be they just simply cohabiting, there's an argument as to who gets the pet, who gets the dog, who gets the cat, who gets the snake or the goldfish. Mm. But the fact of the matter, in law, these are simply referred to as a chattel, which is an old legal word which basically refers to an item of personal property, like a a chair or or a lamp or something like that. Um, but don't they have to people... categorise it differently because it is a sort of a living thing? No, no. The law looks at it simply as a possession, mm. which uh, unlike kind of children, which we deal with the Children Act, for many people, their pet's more important yes. than a child or whatever. So you have to go to court uh, if you can't agree it between the two of you as to who owns it. And the court will look at it and work out who's paid for it, whether there's, uh, it's listed on the kennel club that you're the owner uh, and the court can and has, in certain cases, actually sold the pet and given mum and dad or the parties oh, 50-50 with respect to the money. Uh, there was a case uh, a couple of years ago, not in England, uh, but a case in Amer- uh, sorry, in Canada where Keith Duncan, a truck driver, ended up having to pay his ex-wife $200 per month to look after the pet St Bernard. <laughs> Had to pay maintenance. Well, I mean, I imagine it eats a lot of St Bernard. But, I mean, does that mean you have to be quite uh, sharp now on getting your name onto the ownership papers, if there are any, for the dog? It's really a, yeah, it's really a good idea to get your name listed at the Kennel Club or be the person on the receipt who has bought the, the pet. Yeah. Uh, and also to show to the court that actually you're paying for it on a weekly or a monthly basis. Here's the receipt for the pet, for the uh, vet bill. It's in my name. That proves I'm really the person who's had ownership of this. Or what they are suggesting, and this is us lawyers desperate to make money in such hard times. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we created the withdrawal agreement. Now we're trying to do pet agreements. Yes. Um, well, why not? End, I mean, you know, you, you can, can come and you can chase. You can. The dogs, are, dogs are quite good at chasing ambulances as well. So I mean, you know, why not put it all together in one sort of service? I mean, I think I'm not sure my name is on the ownership agreement that I've got with the dog. However, I have Ooh. got I have got receipts for a lot of gravy bones that I buy him. That that might help. Well, that, that, and pictures of you and the dog having fun. <laughs> there, there was an there was an American case, a crazy American case, where the judge couldn't make his mind up. So he called the female and the male into the room and said, "Release the dog." to see which one the dog could go to. Oh, really? Wow. Yep. That's funny, isn't it? I, I mean, I don't know if you'd have to, kind of in your trousers or in your suit, kind of have lots of dog biscuits. 
in the hope that he would run towards you. Yes, exactly right. Well, Gary Player, famously, the, the old uh, golfer, he used to apparently carry around a piece of bacon in his pocket because he and he would tell people that dogs loved him because he had always had a piece of bacon in his pocket. So that may be, uh, may be a trick for you. Now, I know this is completely unrelated, but however, yeah. I want to ask you a slightly separate question about uh, couples who sleep separately because apparently yeah. sleep divorce is now a thing, um, which apparently doesn't lead to actual divorce but actually saves marriages. I don't know what your view is of that. Well, I rather personally get the sense that you're sleepwalking into divorce yeah. if you adopt this scenario virtual. And as I understand it, it's basically, it works well for a couple if they actually sleep in different beds. Yes. Uh, now, in the past, I've taken the view that it's helpful to sleep in different hotels. Uh, <laughs> but, but, but the fact of the matter, it, it might work for some people, but I think for the vast majority of people, Sharing a bed is clearly not only the dumb thing, but actually enhances and improves the relationship. That's where you actually have, in these days of kind of WhatsApp and social media, the actual real time you spend with your partner yeah. is actually when you're in bed with them. Well, that's it? right. I mean, some people say it's a good idea to leave your phone at the door when you get home and, and just not don't use it, don't touch it at all. But certainly it would be yeah. good advice to leave it outside the bedroom, wouldn't it? Well, yes, but sadly, you, we see reports that more and more people spend more time looking at social media than looking at their partner. Yeah, I know, I know. It's a shocking state of affairs. Final question for you, Jason. Uh, this is the big yeah. debate of the day. Is oh, it dear. is it train station or railway station for you? Uh, for me, uh, the train station. Thank you. You see, I'm getting everybody on my side today. Jason Haddon, a uh, uh, very estimable barrister, a man who knows the law. He says it's a train station. Jason, thank you very much indeed. Jason had an MBE uh, from St Ives Chambers in Birmingham, uh, a guy who knows an awful lot about family law as well. Uh, so if you need any help there, he's the man to go to. More gun talk from a water pistol from the farmer of fury. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Debate still rages on here at the Independent Republic of Microbe. It's not whether to leave or remain in the European Union. It's whether you call it a train station uh, or a railway station uh, or a chemin de fer, of course, which is the name for the railway uh, in France. We're going to talk to Christian Walmart coming up, uh, who is, of course, a railway expert, author of the story of Crossrail as well. But first, though, let's talk to Judith, who is in Somerset. Hello, Judith. Hello there, Mike. Hello. It's railway station. Railway station. Okay, well, you're in the minority, but you sound quite posh, so I'll I'll, I'll accept it. Well, I'm not posh. Okay. Um, But that's not why I've rung. I've rung about this other shambles. Yes, I know. Isn't it a shambles? I mean, what a ridiculous state of affairs we find ourselves in. It's disgraceful. It's actually quite pernicious what is happening in this country now. And we see it again. I'm glad you're talking about Roger Scruton later on, because you see it with what's happened to Roger Scruton. It really is quite pernicious. But May could be gone, and she she could be gone in 24 hours, Mike. How so? Tell us. All it takes is for a contingent, her cabinet ministers, in exactly the same way as they deposed Thatcher in 1990, go in and a contingent from the 22 committee led by Graham Brady to go in and tell her the game is up. Here's a black bin bag, clear your desk and get out. Yes. And she'd be gone in 24 hours. The problem is that they don't have the moral integrity and the moral fibre to do it. 
And if they were to do it, Judith, do you even think that they could agree on who should be next? Because I think that the, the Tory party is so riven at the moment that they couldn't even sort of um, uh, get behind one individual and support that one individual because they're so split on everything. Well... As you know, Mike, the parliamentary part, the Conservative Parliamentary Party will choose two to go forward to yes. the, the Conservative Party members. I'm not a Conservative Party member any longer. I resigned last year right. when I saw this way was going, mm. so I won't have a vote in, in this game. Right, OK. Um, but they will put two forward to the, the party in the country. And they would have to have a Brexiteer in those two. Oh, they if would. They didn't there would be uproar? Of course, absolutely right. But and I just, I mean, and I'm, 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 I'm hoping that if we could have a general election, we could somehow break the logjam. We could somehow influence these remainers in Parliament who are ruining it for everybody else and who are absolutely steadfastly refusing to let this happen. The problem with that is first past the post. Yes, I know. Because it needs somebody to do the number crunching on all 650 constituencies and tell people in those constituencies what way they need to vote in order to maximise the result, yes. i.e. get the remainers out of right. a Brexit. Well, it needs to be a properly organised campaign by a properly organised party, maybe like Nigel Farage's new party. It's difficult and the money will be tight, but they, that's what has to happen, I think. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with yeah. you more. Judith, thank you so much. Very, very good call indeed from Chard in Somerset, lovely part of the world. Let's talk to Christian Walmart, who I know will disagree with almost everything I've just said. Christian, a very good morning to you. Uh, yeah, yes, I'm afraid I, I will, but uh, <laughs> let's talk railway station. Yes, let's do that, because in the end, you know, there are still other things going on in life, and I was very actually heartened to see that this debate started raging after I was on the show yesterday. Uh, the background, basically, somebody tweeted me and said, please stop using this Americanism train station, please use railway station. And the debate sort of went on for hours and hours and hours on end. So you're the expert. Can you tell us once and for all, is it train station or railway station? Um, well, it's really railway station, as your previous caller uh, just said. That's mm. the name by which uh, they have been known ever since, uh, really, the 19th century. Uh, train station is very much an Americanism. And they don't call it railroad station. They, of course, they, they call the railways railroads over there. They do. But they don't call them railroad stations. Maybe it's a bit of a mouth. Railroad, railroad station, um, you know, particularly if you're slightly inebriated. So they call it train <laughs> station. But we don't need to do that because railway is quite easy to pronounce. Well, it is. But, you know, I lived in America for 10 years. And I don't particularly, I mean, I've picked up a lot of Americanisms. I don't particularly remember seeing a sign, for example, that said train station. I remember seeing a no, sign well, they, that says rail yeah, station, I think. Or depot. That, that, that's an, the, the, the old American expression for station is the train depot. Right. Um, and uh, you know, so uh, let's knock this on the head. Let, let's keep. Uh, you know, I'm a bit old-fashioned like that. Let's keep railway station, shall we? Okay. Well, as long as the railways are running, okay. That's really the most important thing, which they don't seem to be <laughs> doing terribly well at the moment. I was talking yesterday about how they're shutting down Euston over the whole of the Easter period because they're going to do work at HS2. Uh, suddenly, Chris Grayling's come out and banned Virgin Trains from the West Coast Line. You know, it's all it's all going a bit sort of um, belly up, isn't it? Uh, yes. Well, I mean, HS2, as you know, something I possibly agree with you on that. I, I don't think HS2 is a particularly good way of spending, you know, X billion pounds where X is somewhere between maybe 50 and 100 billion pounds. Uh, and uh, I think they're doing some other work apart from, from HS2. They do have to close these stations every now and then, and they always choose the, 
uh, yes. bank holidays or Easter holidays, Christmas holidays to, to it just do seems it. a pity it's, to it's do the whole enough. the whole weekend though, you know. Uh, well, I mean, it, it, it just this is complex work, mm. uh, Mike, and uh, I do understand that. You know, if they're they're reorganising what's called the throat of the station, then you know maybe they do need three or four days to do it. If you remember, some years ago they did it in King's Cross and they tried to do it too quickly, and then there was a great overrun yes. and uh, the whole thing was was uh, uh, created a huge fuss. And so they're trying to avoid that sort of thing happening again. Right. But on Chris Grayling. Uh, I mean, I must say, look, you know, I'm not a privatizer. I, I oppose the privatization of the railways or whatever. But Chris Grayling really doesn't understand business because they businesses <laughs> uh, are short-term businesses, these businesses, seven- or eight-year franchises. They can't possibly take on pension liabilities that might go on for 40 or 50 years. So, you know, I, I, you know I'm really, for, for once, uh, utterly with stagecoach here. They they couldn't possibly do it. So well, listen, there are very few people, Christian, that would ever be with Chris Grayley on, on, on anything at all. I mean, the fact that he... I mean, one of the reasons where uh, people were quite encouraged over Brexit and one of the decisions that was made in the Houses of Parliament uh, was it was the, the threat came out that Chris Grayley might resign. And everybody cheered. And we were like, well, that would be great, you know, because this is a guy who is not no, helping the as country. As long as Theresa May is there, uh, Chris <laughs> Grayley will be there. Yes. But I somewhat suspect... Uh, any new prime minister of whatever colour might not choose Chris Grayling. I mean, the man who has had, you know, more more mishaps. Oh than, yeah. You know, the, well, he's whatever the Midas touches in reverse. He's whatever the Midas touches in reverse, really, isn't he? But uh, but let's talk about some good news because I'm told that there's going to be a new fleet of Caledonian sleeper trains uh, being unveiled. Um, and now I'm a, I'm a great believer in the sleeper train. I quite like the sleeper train, but I don't like the cabins. I think they're a little bit sort of uh, grubby, really, and 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 the way of share, the way you have to share them. I remember w- waking up one morning to the sight of a man. I was on the top bunk, and I pulled the curtain back, and the guy was about a foot and a half away from me, cleaning his teeth. And I thought, that's not really what I'm looking for. Yes, no, these new, no, this is going to be wonderful. I mean, I haven't been on them yet, and I hope to go on them soon. But this is really wonderful news in every respect. It's good for the economy of Scotland. You know, when I have a business trip in Scotland, I, I really, what I really like doing is taking the sleeper out mm. one direction, right. doing my business, and then having a leisurely trip back, uh, preferably on the uh, west coast, which I think is, is pretty, although the east coast is yes. great. You see the sea as well. Right. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, that's a day's business. And, you know, so this is really important. It, it's one of the things that, you know, somebody somewhere has understood that railways are not just about, uh, you know, Traveling and about uh, just the, the fact of having you know railways going somewhere—they're actually very good for business. Yes, and so is it going to be more expensive to go on these new trains, or when and when are they coming in? Well, uh, uh, they're coming in uh, uh, very soon. Over the next uh, few months, they'll be gradually uh, replacing those very old uh, uh, trains. Right. Uh, you know, not all in one go, one by one, um, and. Uh, they, they will have much more flexible pricing, apparently, that they'll try and make it, you know, more like airline pricing. So they'll have lots of, of cheap deals. No. Um, but I just can't wait to travel on one. Yes. Uh, yes, those old ones are really a bit grubby, weren't they? Well, they were. And also, I once, because I think I was able to get a deal, I once went first class because I thought what I really liked is, is a sort of cabin idea like you have on a boat, you know. And in fact, it turned out the first class only meant that you got the same grubby apartment, uh, a compartment, just without, with a guarantee that nobody else was going to come in. 
Yes, there's still no toilet, whereas these will have uh, en suite, yes, as they say. Yes, these will be a lot more upmarket, won't they, basically? They could be called yes. hotels on wheels, which sounds quite enticing. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean and, you know, if you do do business in Scotland, you know, rather than 150 quid for a hotel night, you, you travel on yeah. one of these things and you'll get your you'll travel for free. Yeah. Um, and you get the breakfast in the morning with somebody knocking on your door and offering you fresh orange juice. Yes. Wow. Yeah, oh, that, is, that is quite good. It is really good, actually. Christian, thank you very much indeed. Christian Walmart there, uh, transport expert, rail expert, author of the story of Crossrail, which, of course, he managed to finish before Crossrail itself was finished, which I think is one of the great uh, little pieces of trivia uh, that we now know. Uh, I can also give you another little piece of trivia on the uh, on the railway front. He, of course, says that railway station is, in fact, correct, uh, but I didn't seem too hard line about it. Uh, one of our guys who works in uh, the online team, Carl, says that when he used to say train station at Virgin on their social media, people would flip out and say it was railway. How bizarre is that? Is it railway? Is it train? Does it matter? It's not your fault but mine And it was your heart on the line I really put it up this time Deny my dear Deny my dear The possibly ghastly middle-class band uh, that is, of course, Mumford and Sons. Uh, they could have played Coldplay, I suppose. It would have been marginally worse. Uh, but apparently the death knell is here uh, for the middle classes because according to the OECD, which is the Organisation for Economic Cooperation and Development, who normally tell us all about uh, poverty levels and how poor people are suffering all over the world, uh, they're now talking about the middle classes suffering all over the world thanks to stagnant wages, soaring house prices and the rise of robots. Let's talk to a man who is himself impossibly middle class. He is, of course, uh, Mark Dolan. Mark, a very good afternoon to you and welcome. Yeah, one second. Let me put down this credit manger latte that I'm halfway through. <laughs> yes, of course. I mean, I wasn't sure if we'd be able to catch you uh, on this uh, sort of time of the day because I would imagine you'd either be doing a Pilates class or, you know, walking the baby in the in the, in the the mother care pram or whatever is the new sort of trendy pram to have. But, uh, but I mean, it is true, isn't it, that the middle classes are being uh, under th- put under threat now more than they've ever been. I'm so middle class. I bought a posh pram before I even had a girlfriend, Mike. <laughs> well, that's very good. Is it one of those with three wheels? Because that seems to be the thing now, that you can that you, that you can run I, you can run through the park with it. It costs more than a Toyota, and I'm still paying for it. But, I mean, look, <laughs> yeah, I'm really, really glad that you've um, raised this subject on the show today because uh, the middle class, and actually, if you go through the history books uh, in terms of economic history, the middle classes in all societies have been the driving force, the dynamic part of any economy. And what it is, is it's a group that is somewhere between, you know, the working class and then the upper class who are moving in an upward direction, aspirational. In some ways, I think the language of this middle class is very archaic. The bottom line is, certainly in the 80s under Thatcher, for all of her faults, she changed the perception of what class is and anybody, um, you know, had the opportunity potentially to make something of their lives, whether it was, you know, buying the council flat they lived in, uh, becoming self-employed, starting a business, you know. And I think um, ultimately we're seeing now the sort of day of reckoning for for this dynamic social class. And if, if we really come down too hard on the people who are working hard to educate their kids, taking pressure off the NHS by having private cover and all that stuff. If we hammer those people to oblivion, we will all suffer in the long run through lower tax receipts and a society that is, you know, in a sense, racing to the bottom in terms of what we're aspiring to be.
Well, that's right. And I think, the, uh, I mean, if you gave her uh, too much credence, I suppose, um, you might say that Margaret Thatcher knew what she was doing because what she was doing by making more people become middle class were actually was actually destroying the working class because I was talking to a Labour MP not that long ago down the tent of shame uh, who admitted to me that the Labour Party now is no longer the party of the British working man. It is now the party of the sort of intellectual Marxist from Islington. Well, definitely. And actually, you know, what you would define as working class has changed a lot because, I mean, almost everybody in one sense is middle class because most people have got access to material goods. Most people have got smartphones, irrespective of their income, good trainers, Sky TV, Netflix, you know, and most people aspire to at least one holiday abroad a year. I mean, what really frustrates me about this story is um, we're hammering uh, the, the so-called middle class, which, by the way, is, is, is most people, most of your listeners. But the government actually need us to buy a new car every three years. They need us to go shopping. They need us to go on holiday because our economy is based on consumption. Yes. And the minute we stop going shopping, you know, the tax receipts drop, the economy grinds to a halt. And um I think definitely more support needs to uh, go in that direction. I, I think there's a reason, by the way, why the middle classes get hammered so much, and it's because they're the low-hanging fruit. Um, there's this kind of like, there's a perfect storm for anyone, especially a household where both both uh, adults work. You know, if you're looking at a household of a joint income of, let's say, 60, 70 grand, mm. that sounds like quite a healthy amount. But if you split that in two, that's a couple of very normal salaries that a, a, a you know a, a low-level police officer or a teacher might achieve. You know, they're not rich people, but the, the HMRC think they're rich. Yeah. Um, and they're easy to get hold of. And the bottom line is anyone at the lowest end of the economic ladder, they pay little or no tax. And that's exactly as it should be. And they receive the maximum benefits, which is exactly as it should be. The problem you've got is the super rich. They also don't pay any tax either because they've got great accountants and lawyers. And in the middle are the really easy people to get like you, me, and the vast bulk of those listening yes. to your show. Well, that's true. I'm not going to let you get away with saying they don't pay any tax at the top end, though, because they actually do, and they may pay less tax proportionally than some right. people, but they do actually pay quite a lot of money. I mean, in London, for example, there's an awful lot of people who are making over £100,000 a year who are paying an awfully large portion of the tax revenues to the HMRC well, uh, compared to people in other parts well, of the population. It's a very, very good point, and not everybody out there that's rich is a Philip Green, and it is true. I think the statistic is that top 3% pay about 60% yes. of what the HMRC pulls in. So you are right to, uh, to stick that caveat in. Um, but ultimately, you know, we, we all need, especially, you know, if Brexit's happening and we're going it alone as a country, we need a very mobile population who are aiming high and thinking big for their own lives. I mean, like, I, I've got a theory about grammar schools. You know, I've got two boys and you've got... Um, children you've got two boys haven't you yes. um who are at school still school age and the grammar schools are really good and the reason why is um obviously the teaching but it's predominantly it's the quality of the kids in the schools yeah. and why are those kids high quality uh, academically because they come from families that want more from their lives and they are putting that hope and that aspiration into their kids and that's why grammar schools, we can learn a lot from that. And it's not about your bank balance. No, but of course, the attitude. educational Marxists won't let you have a grammar school in most parts of this country because they think it's somehow unfair to actually grade people on how good they are at school because it's not fair. Well, of course, it's not fair. But the point is, life isn't fair. And you're quite right. I mean, you need to have uh, some kind of system of competition in order uh, to, to, to allow people to succeed. But the problem I have as well about all of this, Mark, is that we alone are absolutely 
absolutely and utterly obsessed with class in this country. You know, I lived in America for 10 years. They're not at all obsessed with class. They don't care. It's much more judged over there on how much money you've got, what your kind of lifestyle is like. And, you know, they talk about middle class people in America. But, you know, the middle class here is, is, is growing, as you quite rightly said. But only in this country do you have what's called the upper class, which is a group of people that you and I both know uh, people from, you know, in newspapers, in, in media, yeah. in the polit- political yeah. world. You know, you could never be one of those people. You could never join that class. Well, no, that's right. And if I'm going to try to draw any any sort of sucker from what Labour would like to do if they got into office, I certainly sympathise with the idea that there is this sort of elite who are sitting on tax-free millions. Um, and and it, it certainly on the corporate side, whether it's, you know, those big multinationals, mm. Google and Amazon and the rest of it. And it is, a, you know, you watch Debenhams who are stuck on the high street and they've obviously got the business rates and they've got the normal tax to pay uh, and then look at what amazon get away with and it does seem very unfair so i think our society uh, you know it does look that in most western societies pretty unequal mm. still but let's not punish those people who get up in the morning and they go out to work and you know these middle class uh, people these are house prices and stuff like that i mean that's kind of exploded um, and they are taking a risk with their own livelihoods by borrowing money to buy a house. Yeah. And risk is the basis of all economic growth. And if you don't have people who are dynamic and who are taking a chance, if you don't support them, and as you say, under the kind of the Corbynista Marxist model, is in a sense saying that there should be a whole section of society who will forever be looked after by the state. And that, on, on the face of it, that seems very moral and groovy. Actually, it's a pretty cruel thing to do. Well, it really is. And also, there's never enough money. And that's what everybody always says. I mean, John Prescott was the guy who said in 1997 that we're all middle class now. Uh, the other, I can't remember who said this about socialism. It might have been Margaret Thatcher. That basically, the problem with socialism is you, you end up running out of everybody else's money. And you haven't got any money to spend on the things that you need to spend it on. But Mark, listen, go back to your latte, back to your uh, uh, your, your pret uh, and your and your uh, your sort of middle class baby mach- pushing machine, uh, and have a lovely afternoon, Mark Dolan, uh, the middle class man. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show ten to one Monday to Friday on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.